My name is Todd Saswarda. I teach in the Division of Music, and these are my students. So, um, this morning I'm going to make a few, few assumptions, a few things that you already know, okay? For instance, we're going to start with this idea. In the beginning, okay, we all, we all understand that there was a start to everything, right? We all have this idea of this, everything that this is, everything that we know had a start. Even time itself, that's the reason in the beginning. If I would say once upon a time, you'd all say, oh, there's a story. We get scripture, in the beginning, in the beginning. If we look at John 1, in the beginning was, was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay, so our first four, four words of the Bible, in the beginning God, before all this happened. And when we understand God, we look at, we, we said John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And if we look at early in Genesis, the Spirit of God hovered over the darkness. So we look at, and I'm not going to try to define this, I'm not going to try to say, you know, here's the doctrine of the Trinity. You can ask, you know, Pastor Bray for that one, and, you know, or the School of Theology. But we have to understand that in the beginning, God, a three-head God, a three-person God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, wasn't, they had a perfect relationship. There was nothing, nothing needed. And so the next word that we see in Genesis 1 is in the beginning, God, what? Created. Why? What, what would the, what's the point? Why would a God who has everything, who has a perfect relationship, think about a perfect relationship. None of us have ever experienced that. We've never experienced a perfect relationship. We always experience some sort of strife, some sort of, you know, incompleteness in this. But God, perfect, needing nothing, wanting nothing, having access to everything, created something. Why did he create anything? Why would God do this? Why would God, in, in all of his all of his glory and wonder and perfection, I'll keep going back to the perfection, why would he create things that are mysterious to us? Why would he create things that sometimes have no purpose? Take, for instance, we have this flower. Okay, this flower grows in the wild of Sri Lanka. And this flower blooms about midnight and dies by morning. Very few people ever see this flower. I talked to a Sean Rodrigo and he said that um, you can smell it in the morning, but there are certain nocturnal flowers that no one sees. Why would God make that? Why would God make this little, these little guys with the blue feet? <laughs> Natives of the Galapagos Island. And he makes these, he makes these, these birds that you're like, oh, who's going to see these? God takes delight in this. And then not only that, do they have blue feet, but then this is part of their mating ritual. Well, we lost that one there. Okay? <laughs> this is their dance to, to find a girl. Okay? <laughs> I couldn't get a video of that, I was looking. But nonetheless, why would God make that? Why would God, off the coast of Australia, make this lake that's bubblegum pink? Look it up, Lake Hillier, west coast of Australia. Why would God, why would God do that? Look, he's surrounded by the ocean, and he makes this, this bubblegum pink lake. Why? And then we think about, in Psalm, the heavens declare your glory. Why would God make galaxies too numerous to count, hundreds of billions of galaxies, each containing hundreds of billions of stars? Why would he do that? 
We don't even, we can't even fathom. We are, we are, the, we are a speck of dust. I'm, I'm a huge Calvin Hobbes fan. That was, that was back when I was growing up. And on one of the, on one of the Calvin and Hobbes commercials, commercials, one of the comic strips, Calvin was standing out in the night sky looking up at the, at the stars, and all of a sudden he just stood there and he screamed, I am significant! And then the next, the next frame said, cried the dust speck. Here we are, a bunch of dust specks on a speck of dust, of the, one of the smallest galaxies we know, around one of the smallest stars we know, and God created this stuff that's hundreds of billions of miles away. I mean, the Hubble telescope, you know, he gets these pictures. We have no idea what's going on up there. Why would God do that? Just for fun? And then on top of that, God said this in Genesis 1.26. God turned and said, let us make man, mankind, in our likeness. So God created mankind in his own image, male and female. He went through every person as unique as the snowflakes. Billions of people, billions of thoughts, some things crowded, different passions, different ideas, different wants, different needs, different circumstances. And you know what it comes down to? God created you. What does it mean to be created in his image? I mean, you're created in the image of God. That's just the God who made all that stuff. He he made you in his image. John Piper says this, the point of an image is to image. It's kind of a duh statement, but that, that makes sense. Images are erected to display the original, glorify the original. God made humans in his image so that the world would be filled with reflectors of God, images of God. Whether you like it or not, you're an image of God. You're created in his image. He took some of that perfection, some of that that creativity idea. So what do we know? What do we know about God? We just said this, the first five words of the Bible, we know this. In the beginning, God created, which if if I'm not a mathematician, even though I teach music theory, the math kind of slips over. My my freshman son in geometry, I need a tutor, okay? I can't, I'm like, dude, I I don't have time to learn all this stuff to help you out, okay? But my math deduction here says this says that you were created to be creative. You were created to be creative. Now, some of you are like, oh, okay, hold on. <laughs> hold on a second. I'm not creative. I can't, I can't do that stuff. I can't, you know, I can't make art. I can't write words down that, that make sense. I can't play music. I can't. You know what, though? Let's go back to why God created. Are you curious? I mean, I, I'm making assumptions about God, okay? And I, and I here in my, my little finite dust particle of a mind, I'm trying to understand the, the, the bigness of God. And in that idea, why did God create? Was he curious? Did he just have an imagination? Like, I wonder what this would look like. I wonder. Are you curious? Why is it one of the first science experiments we learn in, in elementary school is baking soda and vinegar? And it goes together, and all of a sudden it's like, and everyone's like, oh, so cool. You know? Why, why, was the, why was the fad a couple years ago the idea of like a sleeve of Mentos and a two-liter Diet Coke just to have this Diet Coke volcano, okay? Why do we do that? Why are we curious? Do you know one time that they sold chemistry sets in the toy section at the stores? Some of you are like, I remember that, okay? I remember that. But the chemistry sets, why? Because we're curious. Are you curious about your own abilities? Do you, do you ever wonder how fast you can run or how high you can jump or how much weight you can lift? 
There's a certain amount of, I, I want to I find those, those limits. I want to push that. I'm curious. Do you like to take things apart just to see how they work? I know some of you, your parents were probably mad when you first took their computer apart at home, you know? And some of you were like, oh, but I, have, I, gotta, I gotta figure it out. I'm not a car mechanic at all, but I sure appreciate the person who could take apart an engine and put it back together. Like I tell my class, unless the hose is flapping in, in liquid spray and I can't tell what's wrong. I mean, if, that, if that's happening, I, I at least can be like, okay, I kind of get what's happening here. We have a problem. <laughs> Outside of that, though, I, I don't know. I need someone who, who had the ability to take things apart and put it back together. Are you passionate about something? Curiosity, passion, think about God creating again. Was he passionate about this? Why would he... Why would he Create these things that we'll never see just because, because he's passionate about it. Do you love to have everything just so and so, just so? You're perfectly organized, okay? We need you like that. <laughs> we need you to be perfectly organized. We have a friend, my wife and I have a friend who helped us organize our kitchen. And I'm telling you what, it made life so much easier when she came in and put things in, and I'm like, I, you know, let's just throw things in drawers and we'll, we'll kind of get that to work. No, she made it work so it's like it made sense that if I was by the oven, this would be right here and this would be, and this is great. Some of you are passionate. I mean, some of you will bug you if I tell you that my checkbook is not balanced to the penny. In fact, it's probably not in balance to the dollar, okay? Probably not in balance to the ten. And some of you are like, oh, that just makes me cringe. It makes me, because I have to have everything just lined up. That's great. We need you. God created you like that, to be that person. Do you want to help people? Are you passionate to help people? Are you passionate to help them learn? Many of you are, are studying to be teachers. There's a reason there's a reason you're passionate to help people learn. Do you want to help people get well? We have a great nursing program here. We have great therapy programs here. You want to help people get well. There, we have great Christian ministry programs here. You want to help them get well spiritually, emotionally, mentally, educationally. Do you wish there was a cure for cancer or a cure for the common cold? You're in those sciences. You're putting things together, and you're just like, I just want this to work. Why do I want it? Well, we'll get into that a little bit later, but I want this to work. I want, I want humanity to, to benefit from what I can do. Are you expressive? This is where I fall underneath. I mean, I'm like, okay, do you like to show your feelings? Do you, do you write things? Like I said, I, I teach songwriting and I teach composition. I like to write things. I like to create sounds. I like to, to you know, find emotions. You know, do you, do you like to build things? Do you like to recite things? Do you draw? Do you act? Do you dance? I typically say I'm a storyteller who's been trained in music. And that's why I love, I love to do that. Do you find yourself admiring people who can do things with their body? Dancers, figure skaters, the Olympics are on right now, and you're just, I mean, why do we watch the Olympics? Because we're just like, man, it's pretty cool. Until all of a sudden you realize, and you're going to get to that age when every pro athlete's younger than you, and you're just like, oh, I'm old, <laughs> you know? And every, you know, all those, all those Olympians are like, you know, your age, and you're just thinking, oh, Man, I gotta work harder, you know? <clears throat> but here's the thing we're all gifted. Well, of something that makes us tick. We just need to ask God to help us discover or rediscover what that is. If we say, God made you, why did He make you? We have a great, a great center here called Life Calling, Center for Life Calling and Leadership. That could very easily be called Center for, for Life Discovery and Leadership. Because we're, again, you're, are you called? Yes, you're called. But you know what? God put passions in you. He made you specifically for who you are at this moment in this time. So now what? Now what do I do? If I find out that I have this gift, what am I supposed to do with this? If we look in Matthew, we see this. 
To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability. He had received five talents, went at once and made five talents more. So also he who had the two. Your goal is to grow your talent. That's your responsibility. That's your act of worship. A lot of times I tell my students, you know, sometimes we think five talents, we always think five lined up like this. I think about one talent five feet deep. Okay? I have this talent that I love, and you know what? My praise to God is to say, I want to make this five feet deeper. I want to keep getting into the richness of this. I want to sweat with the shovel down there, just like, I I love this. That's why you're in the classes that you're in. That's why why you're choosing a major. That's why you're hunting for a major. You want that thing that you're just like, this is what makes me really work. This is what makes me love life. This is what I would do for free. Don't ever tell anyone. But this is what I would do for free, but people actually pay me for it. That's where we are. But then the problem is, there's one spot in here that always gets a little bit interesting on this same passage in Matthew. It says, to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Now, we live in this world where everything's got to be fair, you know. <laughs> well, why, why did someone still get five talents and I only got one? This doesn't make any sense, you know. But yet, did any of you choose to be born where you were born? Did anyone choose to have the parents you have? Whether they're your birth parents, whether they're your adoptive parents, you were chosen. You were made for that reason. Did you choose your hair color, your eye color, your skin color? Did you choose how tall you would be, how short you would be? You didn't make those choices. God made those choices for you because he's made you specific. It's like a snowflake. I still can't, it blows me away that there are no two snowflakes ever alike in the history of time. There are no two people ever, ever alike in the history of time. But this is the nice thing about this. In Romans, we see this. For as just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Or if I look in 1 Corinthians, and I love this, this passage from the, from the message, this translation. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. All kinds of gifts. They're handed out by the Spirit to all kinds of people. But here's something you have to think about. This is a gift, something given to you, okay? What do you do with it now? You've discovered, we spent some time, you've discovered what this is, and some of you are still looking for that. And my prayer is that God finds that for you. Those of you visiting today, we would love for you to be at Indiana West End, but really our deeper prayer is that God tells you where he wants you to go and that you have the obedience to follow him there. And if it's here, praise the Lord, we'd love to have you here. And if it's not, God's got that call for you. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. But a lot of times when we get a gift, we have a couple of, couple of approaches. First is this idea, okay? And I watch way too many kid movies, so I hear this little squirrel going, <laughs> you know, it's mine, it's all mine, you know. The whole, I mean, we claim ownership. We're like, this, this gift is mine. I, 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 get, I, get to, I get to work with this. Or, or we look at it like this. We discover a gift or a talent, and we just grip it. We're like, this, I, I'm going to hold on to this forever. Because we begin that, to feel that it defines us. It gives us our identity. 
But how can you receive more from God with your hand clutching what you think is your identity? You're so tight-fisted. It's like, this, this, is, this is what I'm about. This helps me. This makes me me. If you take that away, I don't know who I am. That's a hard, that's a hard thing to think about because there is. I mean, there's a lot of identity in what I do, but it's like, oh, I don't want to give up on this. Timothy Keller is one of my favorite pastors, authors. He says this, if our identity is in our work or our gifts, rather than in Christ, success will go to our heads and failure will go to our hearts. When I read that, I was just like, wow, how many, how much, how many times are you, you know, my identity, this is what defines me, and, and if I succeed here, then I'm, then I'm okay. And I start to get, we were putting this on this morning, this little headset, and the first one was a little bit too small, and I said, I know I'm a musician, but I didn't think my head was that big. You know, but there's an idea of like, you know, I get a big head for, from succeeding, okay? And if I, if I don't succeed, then all of a sudden I feel like, oh, I'm a failure. That's not the case at all. If we open our hands, God is free to pour more into them and also to reach in and to use what's being held there. Let go of that. Let God use it. But the question comes up right after that. If I open my hands to loosen and loosen my grip, how will I be able to use it for my life? How can I make a living with it? How can I make a name for myself? How can I? God, I, I'm, I'm, I'm scared. I'm scared of this. Let me let you in on a little secret. Something my wife doesn't even know right now, okay? Um, I own 10 square miles of prime real estate in Manhattan. Another 10 square miles in Beverly Hills, another 10 square Miami Beach, another 10 square in Chicago, London, Paris, Dubai, Shanghai. And you're just like, what are you doing teaching here? Okay? No, but I mean, if I told you that, you would just be like, that's, that's incredible. There's so much wealth there. So when the Bible says he owns a cattle on a thousand hills, we just sit there and do, okay, let's see, if there are 10,000 head of cattle on one hill on a thousand hills. You know, no. What that's saying is that the God who gave you the gift, does he not have ample supply to give you more when you give it away? Doesn't he say, hey, this is, this is, my, this is my gift to you. Use it. Make people happy. Make people smile. And you know what? I'll give you more. I know as a songwriter and a composer, sometimes I come up with an idea that I'm just like, man, this is a good idea. I really like this one. I don't want to waste it on something that's not going to be a Grammy song. I've never won a Grammy. Who knows? You know? But you were like, I don't want to waste this. And God's saying, can I not supply you with even greater ideas? Look at the galaxies. You can't even, you can't even count. And they, everything is like, I, I've got it all under control. But then a lot of times we say, hey, you know, my dream is to be the next. I want to be, well, I was growing up in the Michael Jordan era, so everyone wanted to be like Mike, okay? I want to be Michael Jordan. I wanted to be Steve Jobs. I wanted to be, you know, and you fill in the blank, Albert Einstein. These are the people that I want to be. But really, isn't the question, why not work on being the best in the first you? Because you can never be the next so-and-so as well as they can be themselves, so be the best you. And why not let God turn you into who he wants you to be? And that concept of making a name for yourself. We think about, oh, if I, if I can do this, then all of a sudden I can become this thing. Well, we see this in Genesis. Less than a chapter apart. Genesis 11. Then they, the citizens of Babel, said, Come, let us build ourselves a city 
with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. God heard that. He's like, okay, we're going to confuse our language a little bit. We're not going to let them make a name for themselves. But less than a chapter later, the Lord said to Abram, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. Look at that. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. That's a hard thing even here. Even here, I mean, I, and I love the concept of world changers. I think that's a great concept for Indiana Weston to have, but that's, that's weighty. That's hard. How do you change the world? And then a lot of times we're like, I want to change the world. I want my gift to, to impact 8 billion people. Okay, first of all, take that off the, off the plate. Okay, outside of Jesus, I don't know that anyone's impacted 8 billion people. All the people who are alive. Okay? Why not use the gifts for those of you who are around you? My son is 16 years old. Um, he wants to be a film director. He's wanted to be that since he was nine. And, you know, I mean, his, like, this is probably, I would say probably this past summer, he's like, hey, Dad, if I, if I become a film director, is it okay if I buy a yacht? I'm like, um, dude, uh, first of all, if you have enough money for a yacht, you better be doing some other things with it that are more beneficial for humanity. But, I, you know, if you can find it, you know. But yet... He's 16. He's not there yet. In fact, one of the, his jobs, in a sense, is to, he takes, he and I shoot video for Eastbrook football. So we go to their games every Friday night, we shoot two cameras, and we make a music video and put it up on their website. And it's just to pump you up, and it's a lot of fun, and, and, and the team wins, so it makes it much easier. <laughs> you can't write, have all these, you know, videos with these losing games. That makes it a little bit tougher. But they, you know, the team wins, it's a lot of fun, and it was after the first season, it was Christmas after the first season, and we were out, we were in Marion, and someone came up and said, hey, are you the guys that do those videos at Eastbrook? And we're like, yeah. He said, man, I love those things. They just make me happy. And he left, and my son was like, Dad, who was that? I said, I have no idea who that was. That's what using your gift to make other people smile, to bring joy to their lives, to, to bless others, to benefit others. That's what God's calling you to do. Okay, we have an adopted daughter from Guatemala, and, and in the process of adoption, there's this, there's this really there's real sense of like almost guilt that if I choose to adopt this person, I'm not choosing to adopt this person. And I'm not choosing to adopt this person. And, it's, and it can be overwhelming because you're like, I, I feel terrible choosing one out of all. And yet, some of our friends said, you know what, God's big enough to handle the, the all. And you're changing the world for that one person. That's what your gifts are for. And in reality, if you think about it, it's not your gift anyway. <laughs> okay? I mean, God gives it to you. If we look at this back to Matthew 5, 25, where we talked about the talents, we see this. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and, and what? And entrusted them to his property. He's like, here are, my here are the talents I'm going to give to you. Here's, here's what I have that's mine that I'm going to get, let you use and kind of do something with. So go do something with it. Every ability that comes from God, every ability you have comes from God. The fact that you can even get her on campus today comes from God. He's the one who helps you discover who he plans, how he plans to guide and use your talents to point all mankind back to him. We just sang that this morning. Ruler of my destiny. Jesus rules my destiny. And you know what? If there are gifts, if there are talents, 
we are basically just tools in the hands of the master. In Isaiah, it says this, you turn things upside down as if the potter were thought to be like the clay. Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, you did not make me? Can the pot say to the potter, you know nothing? That's ludicrous. We think about that, and we're so worried about, I mean, and I know, again, I'm going to talk to a lot of visitors. Today, you're like, this is one of my biggest decisions to make in my life up to this point. Where do I go to, where do I go to college? What do I do? In Proverbs, God says, it says that God graciously gives wisdom to all. James says the same thing. Pray for that wisdom. We're praying with you. We're praying with you. It's almost like a paintbrush. This is one one of the things. Our um, college pastor at my church, I go to Upland Community Church, and if any of you attend there, um, Dan Blosser is a Sunday school teacher there, and I almost hesitate to tell you that because the class is already packed, and if you all go over to listen to him, I won't get in. But it's, it's great, okay? And this is one of the things he said. He's like, you know what? We're all, almost like all of us are like paintbrushes, okay? We're almost all paintbrushes. And what good are they without being used by the artist? And then, you know what? In a sense, one, once one is used, can it really go back to the other brushes and be like, dude, look what I just did? <laughs> you can't do that. That paintbrush has nothing to do outside of in the master's hand. So how can we brag about all that we've accomplished, what we did? Okay, I watched, um, I mean, those of you who are, who are football fans, you watched um, the Minnesota Miracle, the end of that Vikings game. And um, the, whether you're a Saints fan or not, it doesn't matter, okay? But I'll tell you what, the guy gets in the end zone and he's like, man, look at what I just did. You know, hey, the other guy missed a tackle, okay? The, and, and yeah, you ran very fast and that was great, you know, and you caught the ball. But you know, you couldn't catch the ball if God didn't give you the ability to have some eye-hand coordination. And you couldn't have run. And so there's that, that concept of like, yes, there are, there are certain things that we can take some credit for, but there is no idea, there is no sense of like you being able to do any of this and to go back to your group of paintbrushes and say, Man, am I cool? You may have just been chosen to be red for that painting. And it might be a very red painting, so you're going to get used a lot. And you might be chosen to be fuchsia. And you're like, I don't, what am I doing? Who even knows what fuchsia is? And all of a sudden, there's one little corner, and he puts this fuchsia thing in there, which makes the whole painting come to life. And now it's like, well, that's pretty, I was used there. But you still can't go back and like, I made that painting work, you know? No, there's no point in you saying, as a tool in this whole toolbox that I am important outside of how God uses me. This says this in Jeremiah 9.23. This is what the Lord says, let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches, or I would say, or the gifted boast of their gifts. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight. We sang this this morning, and really, the only response is this concept. And we sang it, and I've learned this in more of a King James idea. It says this, Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Thou mine inheritance, now and always. Thou and thou only, first in my heart. High King of heaven, my treasure thou art. That's a hard place to get to. That's a hard place to get to. It almost has to start instead 
with this idea, which is much more personal. It says this, take my life, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Until you're willing to do that, all the gifts that you have aren't going to be used to their full. But once you, once you lay yourself down and say, God, thank you for how you made me. I'm so honored that you allow me to do what I do. So let me do it to the best of my ability and let you use it. God, I have to, I have to, just, I have to bow because otherwise I'm too worried about how I'm going to get ahead in this game. I'm too worried about it even being a game. You're big enough to take care of this. Take my life and let it be consecrated. 